Good evening. Time for us to begin. Uh, we welcome any visitors that we have this evening. If you are here, you're our guests. Come back and be with us again next time you can. We hope that everything that we do here meets with your approval because we feel like everything we do here is according to God's word. And if it's not, you'd be our friend if you told us so. And we can talk. Our first song is number 362. At the appropriate time, Jim Haney is going to lead us in prayer and scripture reading. And then um, Hunter, I believe. Is that right? As closing prayer? Fisher? Carter? One of y'all. Let's stand while we sing, and we'll sing uh, the first, first, second, and fourth verses of Joyful, Joyful. Like this song, it's uh, one of the few that we have written by Ludwig von Beethoven. I always thought that was interesting. Next song will be number 482. 482. Oh, listen to our wondrous story.
The scripture reading this evening will be from Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 10. Be kindly affectionated one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you that you've given us another day. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we've had to assemble here and to worship you. We pray, Father, that our worship service will be pleasing and has been pleasing unto you. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, for the ultimate sacrifice, the death on the cross, that through him, Father, and through our obedience to you, we can have that home in heaven with you. Help us and give us that strength each day to be the Christian example we need to be. Father, we pray that you will be with those who are families and our loved ones who need to come to you and obey your word. Father, we just pray that they will do so before it's everlastingly too late. Father, we pray this time for the sick and all those on our prayer list, and you know who they are. Father, we just pray that you will reach out and strengthen and bless and heal them. And we know that you're the great physician and only you can do that, and we just pray that you will. Father, we pray that for the congregation here, we pray for each member. Father, we pray for our elders, for our deacons, for our ministers. We just pray, Father, that you will give them the wisdom and the knowledge in performing their duties. Father, we pray that you will be with David this evening as he speaks to us and presents your word. Father, we pray for our country. We just pray that you'll be with our leaders. And Father, the situation in the world over and the wars and rumors of wars that are going on. Father, we just pray for our military and our allies that you will just keep them safe. We know there's been loss of life and we just pray for the members of their families that are dealing with that and just give them strength and give them comfort. We pray that you'll be with us now through each day of our lives and help us, Father, to live for you and do everything we can to bring others to thee. Father, when you are finished with us, give us at home in heaven with you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Song of Invitation, if you're using a book, is number 667, if you want to mark that. And then before the lesson, let's stand and sing number 553. 553. We'll sing all four verses. <coughs> Right up, I wasn't using that platform, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, church family. <laughs> well, I'm going to use it. 
I'm joking. <laughs> Everyone is doing all right. Um, I, I'm trying to think how I was going to top Rick's lesson. Uh, this morning he did a fantastic job, so I thought I'd dress like him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still taller, though. <laughs> but uh, thanks for having me uh, speak to you all this evening. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, you think about what to, to speak about, and, and you always go through things in your head on things you're going on in your every single day life. And those are the kind of things I usually like to speak about. And tonight I want to speak, what motivates you to ask someone for forgiveness? What motivates you to grant somebody for forgiveness? You see, people often feel motivated to ask someone for forgiveness when they recognize that they've wronged someone or they've hurt someone's feelings or they've caused someone harm in some sort of way. This motivation comes from a sense of remorse or responsibility or the desire to repair a relationship. On the other hand, granting forgiveness is often influenced by factors such as understanding, empathy, a sincere apology, and we're more apt to accept someone's forgiveness when we have a sincere apology. But the decision to seek or grant someone for forgiveness is complex. It varies from person to person. It's depending on the individual's values or their beliefs, or the circumstances that are involved. For example, I don't know how many of you have had brothers and sisters, but I'm sure you remember fighting with them. Or just being a parent, watching your children fight over something. Maybe it's a toy. But whatever it is, they always ask, or you've always asked, for mom and dad to get involved somehow. So-and-so took this from me. They played with it too long. It's their time to share. You know, there's so many other things that could go into that. But as parents, we all handle those situations differently. You know, you could take it from communication. Maybe encourage an open communication with the child or negotiation. Come up with a compromise. Something that satisfies both parties or maybe parental guidance involving the parents and getting their perspective and them enforcing the rules. Or maybe establishing the rules, setting clear expectations, and understanding of their responsibilities. Or maybe it's teaching empathy, helping a sibling understand what they may be feeling themselves. You may be, as a parent, doing all five of those, communication, negotiation, parental guidance, Establishing rules, teaching empathy. You may be doing all five of them. You may be doing three of them. You may be doing one of them. But every child is different and every parent is different. We all handle things a different way. In politics and sports. How do you act then? Are you that type of person that goes for the underdog? Are you that type of person you go for the person you know who's going to win? I see Jerry's wearing his shirt. He goes for the underdog. <laughs> or maybe you're the type of person who waits until the last minute and you go for that particular team or that particular person. 
Or maybe you stick with that particular person the entire time. You see, we are all different. We all think differently. We all see things differently. Now, some of you this evening are going to like today's message. Some of you may think it's okay. And some of you may not like it at all because it may not be your style of preaching. But we're all different. We all have our own opinions of things. But that's what makes us so unique in God's image. This evening I want to tell you a story. A story in the Bible. That could have gone in so many different ways. I mean, this is this story in the Bible about David. It's probably, I wouldn't have handled it the way David handled it. And you probably wouldn't have either. But he handled it a certain way. And the Bible teaches on the way he handled it. It's the way we should handle when we all had different opinions. Turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19. Let me set up a story for you really quick while you're, while you're turning to 2 Samuel 19. King David's son, Aslam, he shows up in Jerusalem. And Aslam believes that he should be heir. He should be king because he's the son of David. And Aslam is given some bad advice from a bad man. Isn't that way it always goes in the Old Testament? You know, whoever gives advice, not from God, it's always bad. So he gives him some bad advice and he tells Aslam that he needs to kill David quickly. He needs to kill David quickly so that way he doesn't start a civil war. So Aslam gathers up this huge army to defeat King David. And David sends his spies out. And David realizes that he's outnumbered. So David decides to have his army take the rough terrain up the hill. But before David goes to battle, he tells Joab, his commanding officer, do not harm my son, Aslan. So the battle takes place. David's victorious. He's outnumbered. But David's son is killed in battle and says he got three spears in the heart. It's the reason you got to love the Old Testament. He could have just said he got killed. But he got three spears in the heart and his body is thrown in the pit where the rest of the dead bodies are. And this is where our story begins. Starting in verse 8. Then the king arose and took a seat in the gate and the people were all told, Behold, the king is sitting at the gate. And all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled every man to his own home. And all the people were arguing throughout all the tribes. Remember, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Saying, The king delivered us from the hand of the enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled out of the land of Aslam, but Aslam, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why do we say nothing about bringing the king back? So here's this army. Here's this group of people that were backing Aslam. And now all of a sudden, they're supporting King David. You think maybe it's because they're afraid? They're doing it out of fear. Or maybe they think David is a, is, was a better leader, that he was anointed by God. 
But King David, he's sitting at the gate mourning over the loss of his son. He's sobbing. And his men are wanting this victory speech. We just won in battle. We're victorious. But David is remorsing. So David sends this message. In verse 11. Why should you be last to bring the king back to his home? When the word of all Israel has come to the king, you are my brothers, you are my bone, my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? And say, Asma. Now, Asma is the king of David's son. I mean, not the king, but he's the commander-in-chief of Aslan's army. So, he's the, so he was the enemy. Are you are not my bone and my flesh. God, do so to, the, to me and more also as you are not commander of my army for now in a place of Joab. So this is where... I probably wouldn't handle this different. David's appeal here. I mean, does this kind of show uh, a message of confidence? No. I mean, you're telling me that you're that you're about to promote because he promotes asthma. As a ruler, the guy who just went to battle with him, the guy who just was about to try to kill him and promotes him over his entire army. And he demotes Joab, his other commander and chief. You know, and, and maybe we're thinking, you know, David sends out this message instead of talking to the troops. You know, because maybe he's, he doesn't want to be bothered with it. He just lost his son. I mean, maybe he's just sitting there thinking at the gate. You know, I don't want to be bothered with this. Can't you see I just lost my son? Can't you see that I'm having a difficult time? I mean, he's probably wishing it was more him than his son who died in battle. But we could see that he's having a difficult time. But King David makes this decision. And what he does when he makes this decision, he builds an alliance with the rebel army. And he helps unite the kingdom. What David does here, he forgives his enemies. He forgives his enemies. Would you do the same? Verse 16. And Shammah, the son of Gura, a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin, hurried to come down with the men of Judea and met King David. And with him were thousands of men from Benjamin. And Zebiah the servant of the house of Saul, with his 15 sons and 20 servants, rushed down to the Jordan before the king. And they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. And Shemah, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan. Listen what he says here. And he said to the king, Shemai, he's saying it to Shemai. Shemai's saying this. Let not my Lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did you wrong on 
the day my Lord, the king, left Jerusalem. Do not let the king take it to heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come this day, the first of all, the house of Joseph, to come down to meet my Lord, the king. Why does Shema behave this way? Why all of a sudden is he asking for forgiveness? Was he trying to save his own life? You see, Shemai was originally with King Saul in the very beginning. He hated David. He despised David. He cursed David. He wanted to kill David. So whenever an opportunity, when Aslam started this army to go against King David, he was all in. He was probably the first one in line to sign up for the army. So he's patiently waiting for that to happen. Waiting patiently for someone to go against David. Then the battle happens, and his patience showed who was the rightful king. Shemai showed patience. Verse 21, Abishai, the son of Zerah, answered, Shall not Shemai be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord who was anointed? But David said, What have I to do with you, your son of Zarul, Zaruah, that you should this day be as an adversary for me? Shall anyone be put to death in Israel this day? Or do I not know that I am this day the king over Israel? And the king said to Shammai, you shall not die. And the king gave him his oath. How and why does David respond to him this way? See, David, in light of the end of the civil war, David restores power. He doesn't cause a civil war. He saves a civil war from happening. By his forgiveness, by the way he's handling things. David could have easily, easily showed action and killed his enemies. David could have easily gotten revenge. But he doesn't do that. We would have. We wouldn't have made friends with our enemies. Then verse 24. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back into safety. And when he came to Jerusalem, he met the king. The king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Meshibabeth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said to me, I will saddle up a donkey for myself, that I have ride, so you can ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame. And that's another story. I'd like to probably do a story about the lame servant and Meshibabeth. Um, so here's Meshibabeth. Here's Meshibabeth. And he comes up to King David. And he's given the reason why he didn't come to King David.
And King David's verse 29 says, Why speak any more of your affairs? I have decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. He gives them their land back. Everything that belonged to Saul, the son of Saul, and he gives them the land back. I mean, that shows forgiveness. It shows gratitude. He gives them back his inheritance. And he's grateful for it. Now, the last person we, we learn about on how we should be when it comes down having different opinions is in verse 31. Don't you just love these names? I'm probably butchering them, but uh, please forgive me. Now, Brazilla, a Gileanite, had come down from Ralem, and he went with the king to the Jordan to escort him over to Jordan. Brazilla was a very aged man, 80 years old. He had proven the king, he provided the king with food while he stayed in Manum. For he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Brazilla, Come over with me. I will provide you with me in Jerusalem. And Brazilla said to the king, How many years have I left to live? Remember, he's 80 years old. That I should go up with the king to Jerusalem. I am 80 years old. Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste and eat and drink? Can I still listen to the voices of men singing and women singing? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my Lord? Why does David take this opportunity to reward Brazilla. It's because Brazilla was faithful to King David. Brazilla was there during the tough times. When things were hard, he was there. David showed tremendous mercy and generosity to Brazilla. David showed tremendous mercy and generosity as he turned to Jerusalem. He spared Shema. He restored Meshibabeth and rewarded faithful Brazilla. What does all that have in common? David's fairness set a standard in Christ's kingdom. But with David loving and sharing and sparing Shema, his enemy, with David restoring the Shivath as a runaway and reward faithful Brazella as a servant, you would think that people would be happy. But in verse 41 through 43, they're still angry. 41 through 43 talks about the 12 tribes of Israel. How they're afraid that David is not going to treat them fairly. That David's going to take care of his own tribe, his own people. They're afraid of what's going to happen to them. You see, when we as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're afraid of how we are being treated or how we're treating somebody, we're letting our own pride get in the way. We're letting pride take over. 
These people are, they're letting pride hurt them. See, what I, wanna, what I want you to take away from this Bible story this evening is that Jesus were to grant you amnesty to you for something as particular as what King David offered Shemai, Meshibabeth, Brzezelah. Would you show amnesty in the same, amnesty in the same way? Would you accept the king's offer, generous offer? Would you pass? But what I'm trying to show you is how these men acted differently. And how we as Christians, we can learn from their actions so that way we can better ourselves. Yes, we are all going to think differently. Yes, we're all going to have our opinions. Just like David did here. But if we show patience, like Shemai, if we are generous, like Verzella, and we are, have a sincere gratefulness, like Meshibabeth, and if we are forgiving like David, then we won't think any different because we're trying to make things right. We understand. We need to do this as a church family in order for us to grow. Now, I understand that there's a lot going on in 2 Samuel here. There's a lot going on, but isn't that how life is? Isn't there always a lot going on? When it comes down to drama, there's always a lot going on. But I want you to remember to show patience, generosity, gratefulness, forgiveness. And I know that times are hard and you just want to throw your arms up and say, I don't want to do this. Who cares? I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'd just much rather ignore the situation. But when you ignore the situation, does it go away? No, it doesn't. It's still going to be there. Face the facts, we all think differently. Be mature Christians and face the issues knowing that we all think differently, knowing that we all see things differently. But we want to show forgiveness, that we want to show generosity, that we want to be patient and show that we want to be grateful. I know you want to grow as a Christian. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we can just be stagnant. And there's roadblocks that stop us from doing that. But we can grow. Because if you don't grow, you lose. lose the hearts and minds of the people. And that's one thing we can't afford to lose. We cannot afford to lose souls because we see things differently, because we handle things differently. Because we don't see eye to eye I challenge you this week. I challenge you this week to have forgiveness, to have patience, to have generosity, 
to have gratefulness in everything you do. Everything you do. I know you're not going to see the things the same way someone else sees it. I mean, I know when you go to work tomorrow, you're not going to see the same thing as your boss. But try to show those qualities, those Christian qualities. Because we all have one thing in common. We all love God. And we all want to spend eternity with him. And if we cannot get along here, how are we going to get along there? Now maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. You're struggling with your everyday life on seeing people, talking people acting the Christian way and you need help with that let us pray for you let, you know prayer gives us strength and it's being offered take advantage of it the only person stopping you from asking for strength and something to help you in everyday life is yourself so if you need the prayers of the church Take it. Or maybe this evening you're not a Christian. And you've made your mind up. I want to be a Christian. The only way you can do that is through baptism. There's no other way. Scripture tells us there's no other way. There's only two places you can go. Heaven or hell. There's no in between. And the only way you can get there is through baptism. Why don't you make that decision as we stand and sing. standing place for announcements. Good evening. Good to see each of you out this evening. Just a few announcements before we're dismissed. A uh, reminder that the ladies' Bible class will be tomorrow morning here at the building at 10 a.m., and they'll be going over Lesson 2. Also, uh, as Dave mentioned this morning, Blake is going on a mission trip this spring. If you could help out with that, see Dave or Mandy. Uh, we're picking or uh, taking up items now for the uh, Valentine's Day care packages for our college students. If you could help out with that, you can go ahead and bring those items in and place them on the table in a foyer 
under the, uh, the table, the, the youth table there, and we have 17 college students. February 7th, so this Wednesday, will be the Stepping Stones Supper. Uh, soup and sandwiches are on the menu, and that'll begin at 5.30. This Saturday, February the 10th, the uh, youth, sixth grade and younger, will be meeting here at the building at 11 a.m., and they'll be making Valentine's uh, Day cards and crafts for our shut-ins. Tuesday, February the 20th, uh, just kind of planning ahead here, the Young at Heart will be meeting and going to Cracker Barrel. Also, CYC is happening at the end of the month. If you could help out with snacks for that, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board in the foyer. And then uh, two Sundays from today, so two weeks, Life Group 3 will be hosting a Share Your Love meal after morning service, and that'll be for the widows and widowers and uh, those that are single. Updates uh, for the prayer list, just uh, continue to pray for Jimmy Wilgus and Jim Martin, uh, Jackie Hutchison as they're dealing with cancer, uh, Friday Simpson and Roger Kaufman and Jim Haney, and um, some, some updates, uh, some, some new additions, I guess. Flo Keeler, I um, think asked for prayers for her last week. She's dealing with some seizures, so uh, we'll pray for her. And Luella Gillespie, this is Elizabeth Brammer's sister, the need of prayers, and Dana Jones. Terrell Spitzer's brother's in the hospital. And uh, James Large, this is Tabitha's dad, who's an elder in Ironton. He's going to be having a lung biopsy uh, this week on Wednesday. So I'm going to pray for him. That or, that's all the announcements that I have. If you haven't had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, you can leave and do so at this time. It's been prepared in the conference room. And we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. First and last verse of This Is My Father's World. <clears throat> This is my father's world, and who I just sing here. All nature sings, and how we the music of the spirit. This is my father's world, I rest within the please. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this lesson presented by Dave and for us to be able to have to have church in the morning and in the evening. Lord, thank you for that and the freedom to worship you. Dear Lord, uh, please let us have been able to take away a lesson from Dave's sermon and let us learn from it, Lord. Dear Lord, please let us apply to our lives this week and always, Lord, be with us and need you, those on the sick list and those that only you know the name of, Lord. Be with us on the drive home and your son's name pray. Amen. <clears throat>